do you design a successful and fulfilling retirement? Not just focusing on the money, but addressing other important issues like health and well-being. What if there was a book to help you achieve this? Written by a retirement expert, an all-round caring person. Justin King's book, The Retirement Cafe Handbook, does just that. And Justin joins us on today's podcast to tell us more about it. And to discuss, amongst other things, hypnotherapy and reframing the way we think. It's a fascinating episode, so do share it and then like and subscribe to hear more. Welcome to season two of The Century Plan, a podcast that looks at financial independence, how you achieve it and how you maintain it during a lifetime which may see people born today living to age 100. With me, Dennis Hall, Chartered Financial Planner and owner of Yellowtail Financial Planning. And me, Sarah Steele. I'm co-director at Yellowtail, but on the podcast I'm here to ask questions on behalf of you, the consumer. All right, so this is episode six of this season of the Century Plan, and we are delighted to be joined by Justin King. He's a retirement expert, chartered financial planner, podcast host, and author of two books, uh, the latest of which we want to talk about today. Um, I also read Experienced Sailor, Ex-Pilot, and an Ironman competitor, so you sound pretty busy, Justin. Well, I, I guess, I mean, I don't do all those at the same time, thank God. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 you know, what, what, yeah, just a little bit at a time, really. So, uh, yeah, I try and focus on one thing at a time. So, okay. Well, um, welcome, Justin, and, and thank you for joining us. I know Dennis wants to talk to you about coaching and questioning tools we may use with clients. Um, but I've been reading your book over the weekend, The Retirement Cafe Handbook. Uh, which I very much enjoyed and it and it really resonated with me so I, I'd just like to chat with you about that for a bit if that's okay. Yeah, my pleasure. Good. Um, all right well diving right in the, the subtitle for the book is uh, Nine Accelerators for a, a Successful Retirement. So for our listeners what what do you mean by accelerators and um, why have you broken them down in the way that you have? Well um, I think we can kind of often work out well, I, I wanted to put a framework really around all the conversations that I'd had with the podcast guests and then kind of distill it to what's important. Um, and then actually we need to then just, just because we get knowledge doesn't mean that we'll, you know, I, I know Dennis is a big, um, a big cookery fan and um, I'm sure he's got a vast array of cookbooks. But it, again, it doesn't actually mean that you kind of you just because you've got all the knowledge sat on your bookshelf it doesn't actually mean you execute on all of those recipes. Now, of course, you can dip and dive and decide what you want to cook. But but in essence, I wanted to just go, OK, let's really work out what is important to people. And then what are these things that we can actually do something about? What are the actual tactics that we can we can use the strategies that we can use, um, that's re- which I've named as accelerators? OK, and I know you've said that. Um... You can, like you say, you can dip in and out of the book. Uh, if there's something in particular that is of, is of interest, then you don't have to read from start to finish to find out about that. No, and of course, some people will have certain things. You know, we do touch on investing and we do touch on um, health um, and we do touch on the kind of purpose and what is it, what is a, you know, wonderful retirement look like. And, and some things will resonate with other people, you know, from one person to another will we'll be different. And it may often, um, I'm sure you, you're familiar with this, but within a couple who are retiring, you might find one who's all over the money and other ones going, oh, we should just stop doing that and get on with living, you know, and, and there may be kind of a, a, a slight disparity of views, I suppose, but therefore actually maybe by reading the book, one can start to, uh, okay, actually, the money bit is important. I do need to understand that a bit. Or actually, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm just focusing on that too much. And actually, I should be thinking about what would make a really wonderful life or how do I make sure that I'm fit and strong for as long as possible? Yeah, you must get a bit of that, Dennis. There's, yeah, there's a lot of that. I think it's it's the ability to start that conversation. But they might not be ready for that conversation immediately, but um, they occasionally get some some pushback. Uh, but yeah, I think having the conversation is very, very important. I think you you talk about in the book that people sort of rush into retirement very unprepared. 
really. Um, whereas it, with a little bit of forethought, that that you, you know you, you can make that a, a, a really useful bridge from from one stage of the life to another. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just a huge step, isn't it? In fact, I'm not actually conscious that whenever I talk to people that they've made very many conscious decisions throughout their lives. I mean, we kind of just we bounce around a little bit, don't we? Like like a pinball. Um, you know, we, we, we get asked to what qualifications do we want to study? My children are studying GCSEs at the moment. Um, and then they'll be going on to the next thing and whatever the next thing then brings. And and most of the responses, you know, is, you know, what would you like to study? I don't know. I'm not sure. Why? Because I'm only 14. <laughs> and then at 16, you're asked again. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's the next bridge to the next thing, isn't it? And then and we end up doing something. <laughs> and then we end up doing something else. I mean, I've had a multi variety of careers and I've done lots of different jobs. I mean, um, uh, and it had not been that classic 30 years doing something. But uh, of, even in the people I know who I meet and go, so what actually got you into that, you know, at 22? Well, I got a degree and that's what was on offer. So I took that because it sounded kind of interesting, you know, <laughs> and, and, and we, I'm not sure unless you've gone into something very specific, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a, a pilot in the Royal Air Force. I'm going you know, actually, if you've just let life unfold a little bit, um, I'm not sure that's what you want to do when you get to retirement, because actually this is probably the greatest opportunity for total freedom that you've ever, you're ever going to have. Yeah. And actually, that that sort of moves nicely onto my my next question for you because I I enjoyed reading the chapter um, where you talk about it you know never being too late and particularly because there's mention of Dennis in there and his mad race across the Sahara. Um, <laughs> well, it was very hot. It was very <laughs> long. <laughs> and you've said you want to do it again, which is I do. A, a bit of a worry. Um, but you talk about retirement being a, a great opportunity to realise those unfulfilled dreams and ambitions. And so, again, for our listeners, can you give some more examples of, of people you've come across? I mean, Iron Grand sticks in my mind one, but you may have some more sort of serious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Edwina Brocklesby, I think her name is, but I call it, you know, she's known as the Iron Grand. And, um, you know, she's a remarkable lady. You know, I, I, I in fact, she broke... She broke her training uh, regime for an hour to have a conversation with me and literally got off her static bike <laughs> um, where she'd been training for three hours that day to yeah. have a chat with me and then to get back on it again, you know, and and I'm like, wow, you're doing this in your 80s. You know, this is, <laughs> this is quite amazing. Um, people are remarkable, I think. And um, we I've talked about before we've got a client uh we had the launch event for the book our last friday so lots of guests came and one of the guests was one of my clients and um and, and a podcast contributor um a chap called mark ines and mark very uh, convoluted story but he managed he's got involved in a charity called myra's wells and myra's wells builds build create raises money and builds wells in um in west africa um and they every pound that they raise literally goes they 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 literally go with the money kind of thing they go out to west africa and they hire the equipment and they build wells now you know he, he's not an engineer <laughs> he's, right. um it wasn't even a charity he formed but it was you know through a network of people and there's only three or four of them they literally work in their back bedrooms and they create this amazing thing they change people's lives and and again you just go, wow, what a you you've shifted from your career, which again, um, forgive me, Mark, if you hear this, but wasn't a you know, wasn't a revolutionary exciting career. You had a regular job, a regular family, regular gig going on, got to retirement, found this opportunity to get involved, and now actually just you just kind of go, Did you make a difference? Wow, he made a difference. Yeah, and that's uh, I think when I started reading the book, you talk about uh you know, we need to stop thinking about retirement as being this sort of deep dark cave that we go and hide in but as a an opportunity a really sort of important next stage of our lives and and I was thinking about it you know if you think of of your life between 35 and 65 you know that 30 years that's a really important part of your life and some major life changes happen some major life events and it could be another 30 years from your retirement 
um, that you've got to sort of plan for and look forward to. So you don't want to just be thinking that's it now. No, no. And, you know, there's some recent research came out literally in the last couple of weeks, which I was fascinated about, about um, depression and mental illness is actually the strongest, the highest point of life is in the, is is middle age. Mm. And the, one of the reasons the, the, the researchers have put that down to be is that the, the gap between what we thought we were going to achieve yeah. and what we have achieved. Okay. Now, that, to a certain extent, is desperately sad. Um, this gap, the gap with, you know, what, what, have we lived up to our potential? And if you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I've got mortgages, I've got a plan for my retirement, I've got kids at university, I've got pressures, I've got, you know, all the stuff going on, you can see why you might be having some stress in life. But I want to go, hold on, hold on, keep going, keep focusing. You're probably at the peak, of, you're start moving into the peak of your career earnings, hopefully, possibly, and then you've actually got still 35, 40 years ahead of you to, to, to jump the gap, to make a, to, to do something really significant in your life. Wouldn't that be just amazing? And actually all the wealth of experience you've acquired up into your mid forties to your fifties, you can now take forward for another 30, 40 years. This is an amazing opportunity because also you've hopefully been saving and you've got some resources behind you. Um, to allow you more freedom that you're not grinding away every day in an office, in a factory, in whatever that you do. You've actually got some time to do something significant. Yeah, that's so well put. I mean, it's a change of mindset, really, isn't it? And I mean, for the people that are listening to us, um, you know, we're talking about retirement planning and, and making sure that we're really thinking about it. And But there was a, another part in your book that that sort of really stood out to me where you talk um about Rory Sutherland the vice chairman of Ogilvy uh he's a behavioral economics expert and he talks about the fear that people have of paperwork um and in particular in relation to pensions um because the paperwork kind of makes them it's so complicated it makes them seem weird and so if they're weird then it's not something that we want to do and, and and that sort of causing a barrier and, and Dennis you were telling me about something you'd heard Rory Sutherland say. I think I went to a, a, an event a, a, about advertising actually about 15 years ago but he brought up the topic of of pensions and he said or oh, money and he said it's easier for somebody to to go online with their bank borrow £10,000 and within minutes have that deposited in their bank account it's easier to do that to borrow £10,000 than it is to put £100 in your pension the amount of barriers and paperwork that's that's just put in place to almost prevent you putting money away borrow as much as you like save difficult yeah, yeah and that's the sort of thing that we're trying to you know jointly between us all trying to get people over but how do we overcome this how do we help people overcome this we have to turn it a little bit tangible don't we so one of the tricks of the trade that i use is that I sit with someone and let's say, let's, let's just imagine that this is just someone I'm helping out. Um, they want to have a conversation with me. I'm sure you have these conversations. You don't always take everyone on as a client, but let's just say that they've been in work for 10, 15 years. They've amassed some money. They've still got mortgages and they're asking you, should I do an ISA? Should I pay off my mortgage? Should I put some more money in my pension? There's all, all these complications going on. You know, I don't know what, I don't know where to turn. And I say, you know, okay, let's have a look at what's going on. How much is in your pension? And they say, oh, 50 grand or something. I say, just imagine for a second there was a bag of cash in front of us, 50 grand. In fact, I'm actually going to grab it from the corner. I'm going to tip it onto the table in front of us and 50 pound notes, 50 grand of them are going to fall on the table all over the floor. Do you just leave it there? Do you pay any attention to it? Do you, do you care? Do you give a damn? Well, of course I would. I'd pick it up. Well, you'd look at it, wouldn't you? You'd check it was all right. You'd make sure all the all the pounds were going back in the bag. So if you've got that attention to it now, just because it's in front of you, it's the same 50 grand you've got sat in that pension account. Pay attention to it. Because mm. if you pay attention to it and nurture it and tend to it and look after it and consider it, then that, that will compound. And the compounding of that effect will have such significant difference to your future and to your family's future. Then, then you, you, you owe it not only to you, but to your spouse and to your children. Yeah. And that, that's a sort of a reframing technique 
I think. It is. Which nicely segues into uh, what Dennis wants to talk to you about. I oh, think. into me? Yeah, well, into uh, you. Before I do that, I was, <laughs> what you say about that, that attention span, there's literally just before we came on air to record this, I was reading something from one of the Scottish companies, you know, Scottish Widows or somebody, uh, their research, because they can see who logs in and looks at their pensions and is, a, is, is engaged with their planning. Those people that are most engaged with their planning and with their pensions and their finances are the ones who are able to retire soonest because they've got enough money tucked away. Those people that, is, as you say, that ignore it, they don't pay attention to it, probably don't even know whether they could retire or not, but they have not been paying attention and they have not been maximising their own opportunities. Because one of the things that, uh, uh, well, I'm sure we ask very similar questions, um, but we try to get people into a position of choice, aren't we? Yeah. So, so you know, instead of working because you have to, because you can't afford not to, to be in a position where you are financially independent and can choose if you want to work, choose if you want to retire, choose if you want to go and build wells in, in um, Southern Africa or whatever it is that you want to do. How do you get yourself in a position of choice? And that is, it's a large part of that retirement cafe work that you do. I mean, I think you've got three sections within your book also, three large components. And within those components, three uh, sort of sub-components. Only one of them really is involved with the money. Yeah, yeah. And that and that and that's true enough. And I think um, we had some um, we had we had an email uh, from a prospective client the other day. Um, we'd sent him a copy of the book, and he thought he's he's, he's, he's in his heart sank when he when it arrived, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh bloody hell, you know maybe I'll maybe I'll read the first chapter because actually at least I can say I had a go, you know, full meeting with me." <laughs> um, but he says it's he tells me that it's changed his life it's changed his perspective he just goes i read it from start to finish and all of a sudden i realized i'd been moving along with this significant pension fund that he's talking to are going to be talking to me about significant pension fund and, and straight away he's now asking himself questions of actually can i go now and actually if i do go now what do i do and do i want to go now and Ah, all the, as you rightly say, all these different choices are now suddenly available to him because he's suddenly questioning what he's doing. Um, and it might be absolutely the right thing for him to go now, but it also might be the absolute wrong thing for him to go now, which is, of course, we've, this is the questions we've got to explore with him and to find out, you know, what is a fulfilling life to you? How will you turn off that light at, let's say, that arbitrary... Office of National Statistics says you're going to you're going to fall off the cliff at 86. You know that's the death of, the date of your death. How are you going to fall off that cliff? Going, you know what? Did I not do everything I could do to have a fulfilling life? You were about to touch, I think. We have both done the course with George Kinder, or courses with George Kinder. Um, we're sort of registered life planners. And that's, I think you you reframe some of George's questions, uh, those three questions, but that final one about, you call it turning off the light, and um, uh, and, and I will probably say, what, are the, you know, what is it that you are going to miss not being, what not doing, not having in your life, if, if you were there on your, you know, in those final hours. Incre I found those courses incredibly helpful. Um, and it might be useful just to to run through those three questions now. We've talked about them before on the podcast, yeah, we have. but they 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 are worth repeating because they're a good tool to to begin to guide people to think about what's important to them. Um, and if you've got thirty years with which to achieve them, another thirty years, great. Yeah, yeah. So George's first question is really, um, you know, you have unlimited resources for now and in the future. Just imagine that. And people try and then respond to, well, what is it a finite, is it a particular amount, you know? And it's no, literally you've won those crazy lottery number, whatever it is, you know, there's just enough money for the now and in the future. What would you do? Because what we're really trying to do is free people from their own constraints at this point. Just trying to open up. I always, I just imagine the canary in the birdcage at this point, you know, the, the, this is the, this is even when you open the door sometimes, the canary doesn't fly out 
or the budgie doesn't fly out because it's still caged. And we're trying to free ourselves from our own kind of structure um, uh, of, of constraint in essence. Well, you know, and, and that comes from so many things, so many money stories of how we were brought up, how we lived in our earlier lives, what, 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 what things we observed, the books we read. In fact, we can see it from age groups, can't we, in our demographics. When you deal with a 20-year-old, you deal with a 40-year-old, you deal with a 70-year-old, they have different, very different money stories, which are probably related to the time that they were brought up. So I want, you want to free people. Just go, look, everything is there for, for now and in the future. What do you do? And then, of course, the second question is that we're now off, we're now saying to someone, they're coming to see you as you're a doctor, and you... You know, you only have five to ten years. This is George's questions, as I say in my book. I've reframed these slightly, but let's stick to George's questions because these are these are the, the the where the inspiration has come from to give credit where it's due. He's five to ten years left to live, and you have no moment of the moment of your death. So you're going to be perfectly well up until that point where you turn out the light and go to bed. What do you now do, knowing that? And so many people will respond with something different to what they're doing at the moment. And, of course, we're not, we're not suggesting at any point to anybody that they suddenly quit everything and they throw it all in because they know that that's going to happen, because, of course, we don't. But we want to get elements of the things that are truly important to them into their lives now, before possibly, you know, it's too late. Um, and then, of course, the final question is, you know, you are going to bed tonight. You're turning out the light. What did you not get to do? And more importantly, who did you not get to be? Who did you not get to be? And then we have to sit with that. And every time I do those questions, I try and answer those questions, more stuff comes out. Um, yeah. Oh, it does. I don't think you get the answer straight away. And it's interesting working with couples and asking the questions and seeing sometimes how how far apart they can be. And here's two people heading into the, you know, into the into the future, and they're not necessarily on the same page as what they're doing. So, you know, some of that work that we do is bringing those things, getting some kind of convergence so that everyone's dreams, ambitions, um, hopes of the future can be realized and accommodated within the constraints of whatever finances they've got. And I think, though, it, it, we, it's kind of hard to believe that we should even think that people should have the same goals and ambitions. I mean, we arrived in this, in this world independent of our partners. You know, so the idea that we've absolutely got this classically, you know, joined at the hip vision of the future is frankly flipping ridiculous. But of course, there will be elements of our futures that we want. I mean, maybe it's the companionship. Maybe it's the friendship. Maybe it's the community work that we do. Maybe it's the, the freedom to go and do things on our own and independently and then rejoin each other and, and share and those successes and, and celebrate the family that we may have created. There's all so many elements that can be the same, but also we have to really, really nourish the... Um, the independence of each soul to, to, to live into their fulfillment. So these conversations, the conversation we're having now, the kind of conversations that we, that we, we have with our clients and, and we think about, isn't what people would expect the traditional financial advisor talks about. Um, and I've had people come and meet, I'm sure you've had the same where, where it all sounds a bit woo woo and I get some pushback. Yeah. Until you work with them for a little while. And it's an element of that is gaining trust. You know, he's talking to me about things that I've not even thought about myself. And I'm almost too afraid to go there right now. But I find that I plant seeds and some of those seeds germinate and they and they, you know, when we come back next year. And um, I, I remember one. I remember one person I was dealing with who vehemently pushed back at me. So this is not where we're going, Dennis. We are not going down these questions. Don't ask me them again. And I said, well, I, I am going to ask them again. I'm going to ask them every time I see you until such a time as you're ready to answer them. And now it's a, it took about three years 
for them to see that well, AI wasn't going to give up <laughs> and B, that they could feel confident and relaxed. And uh, the moment we did that, that person's life changed beyond recognition changed they saw that they had enough money to go and do what they wanted to do to go and do things for other people they wanted to do and stop working to get out of the rat race but that was never their plan when they came to see me the plan was show me what to do with my money and actually i have shown you what to do with your money but it's not how you thought i would so that's sort of leading me into some of these things we find that we have to encourage people to think and do things that they might not ordinarily want to particularly with their financial advisor so you and i have been on various other courses and picking up other skills and once upon a time we used to do the same things but there are so many things um, that, that i think we've branched out in different directions but one thing I do think I remember you telling me that you um, you're a qualified hypnotist. Yes. <laughs> um, now, I went and did something called neurolinguistic programming, which is probably the precursor of that. But but the guy who taught me was Paul McKenna, the hypnotist. Yeah. Um, and so now we've probably got a lot of people listening to this thinking, well, there's two financial advisors I'm not going to see because they're going to get out the dangly watch and make me do things I don't want to do. Um, but it's a tool, isn't it? Uh, particularly neuro-linguistic programming, which is not about programming at all in, in that respect, but patterns of speech and conversation to try and help people reframe things that they might find challenging. So let's have, you know, talk to me about how you incorporate that kind of, of work in your, in your practice. Well, you're absolutely right. It is um, mostly reframing. And again, our... Conscious minds are um, quite often. So let's just say um, uh, that you wanted to. There was if I if you were sat in front of me and you said and I said Dennis, what what would it what would it um, uh, you know what what just what element of your life would would be good to improve at the moment? You know, and lots of people would like to be fitter, stronger, possibly drink less maybe give up smoking. Some people may have a fear of flying. Some people may have a fear of public speaking. Some people may um, have claustrophobia, agoraphobia, anxiety, uh, uh, sleep issues, you know, the, the, the <laughs> you know, mental health issues and, and mental health is, a, is often a big word, but also there are very, you know, there are lots of small elements of mental health that can affect your day to day happiness. Um, and they're not so significant that you're really, really needing masses amounts of help um, and medication. But there are elements that you kind of go, you know what, actually, yeah, if I slept slightly better or um, or if I it was slightly more at ease getting on an airplane or, yeah, if I could actually, you know, I know I should go to the gym, but actually if I, if I could actually exercise three to four times a week, you know, I know that would have a significant impact on my health. Um so I'm really interested in this and I'm really interested in when we have that kind of logical brain going, yeah, I know what I'm going to do. I know I should not drink a three glasses of wine a night, right? I know that I should not do that. That's exactly what I should not do. But what continues to happen, someone will continue to drink the three glasses of wine or I know I should go to the gym five days a week. What happens? Mm, it slides and it doesn't happen. And then the, drift, the fitness drifts away, etc. So a lot of these things, you're absolutely right, are kind of strategies and tactics of reframing. So. Yeah, talking about the flying thing, I helped a client the other week, um, really suffering from um, getting on airplanes. Him and his wife, uh, you know, he would start worrying three weeks before going on going on a flight to Malaga or Spain or something. They were going to Mallorca, in fact. Um, so I did a little bit of work with them. He flew to Spain last week. No problem at all. Can he get back on the plane? <laughs> And all fine, all fine. Honestly, in fact, she told me she was more worried because she was some turbulence on the aircraft and he was he was helping her, you know, and, and I'm not saying this is going to work for everybody. And uh, but I it, it's the hypnosis or this reframing, which in essence, what it is, is it's just a strategy and it's kind of risk free. <laughs> 
it takes a little bit of time. It little take a little bit of cooperation from the from the the client, I suppose, uh, in front of you, the person who's wanting help. Some cooperation from them and actually helping them to achieve what they want to do, and a significant difference to their life. And you kind of go, so why? I mean, you're absolutely right. You you don't. St- I don't start out my life nowadays with a finance. You know, people come to me about tax, about pensions, about investments. That's what they come to me. And guess what? We do that. We do it well. But actually, if you start to dig under the surface and say, so, you know, what is, what else would be, what else could we improve in your life? What are, what are the, what are the sticky bits? What are the things that are slightly rough around the edges that are just not quite there? And it's often some family relationships. It's often some money issues. It's often something like, I'm not sleeping well, or, you know, I'm worried about this or what. And and it's just being another human being interested in their problems and going, I wonder if I could help. I wonder if I could just move things along, you know, and, and often I've managed to do so. I'm sure you've read the book by Morgan Housel, The Psychology of, of Money. It's a brilliant book. It's the book that I wish I'd written, um, but someone got there first, obviously. Um, great book, but he opens it and says, look, everyone's experiences of money, their money, represents about 0.00001 of the entire world's experience about money. But for them, that's the most important aspect. And I think as financial planners of people that speak to lots of other people and and kind of absorb this, we can bring some of that missing um, 90-odd percent into play and just say, well, have you considered something else? Let's take, why don't we take a look at it like this? Because that's your perception of money and how it works. But that could be completely different to, to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I often think about um, people, you know, let's say someone says to me, um, maybe it's a youngster now, and I say, they say, uh, what do you want to do? And they say, I don't know, travel the world. What's stopping you? I'm going to need money. Hmm. Okay. How else do people travel the world? Uh, I don't know. Well, come on, must be some ideas. Let's brainstorm them. Um, I'll go first. Bicycle, you could, you could bicycle around the world. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I used to be a sailor myself, you know, a long way around the world, you know, got paid for it. Got a pal of mine who uh, works on a cruise ship. He's the, he's the chief purser. I think he's kind of the boss <laughs> he handles all the money, you know, <laughs> big, a big, a big, big flipping hotel, you know, <laughs> uh, millions of pounds a week, you know, um, but he travels the world <laughs> in luxury. <laughs> I mean, he's working, but he's traveling the world in luxury. You know, there's so many, again, it's this free framing, isn't it? It's, there's so many ways we can achieve things. You might say, well, you know, I, I, um, one of the classics I try and challenge people on at the moment, and I know it's difficult, it is difficult, but people say, I can't afford, you know, youngsters again, can't afford to buy a house. What, anywhere? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and of course that, well, what do you mean? Well, okay, so let's say you're a civil servant in some way, you're a police force, you're a nurse, you're an um, uh, ambulance driver, what have you. From what I understand, except for London waiting, you get paid the same amount in down, in, um, down in Exeter as you do in parts of Northumberland. Well, the cost of living is different in these areas. You know, the cost of living on the south coast in Christchurch, where I am, comparable to Newcastle, is different. So if you get paid the same amount of money, if you're economically kind of struck a little bit, well, go and earn the same amount of money where your money goes further. You know, and, and actually, again, it's this reframe, isn't it? It's this, uh, okay, well, anywhere, we could live in Thailand, it's cheap. We could live in India, we could do this. We could, the, there are so, the, the world is just so full of different opportunities, I think, that how we can kind of construct our, our world around us, that um, we, we, again, we become a little bit like that um, budgie in the, in the in the uh, in the cage i think that the, with the uh, improving technology communications and everything is actually you you talk about redefining retirement because i think retirement was very clearly defined for my for, i remember my grandparents were were old when they retired mentally old um you know they retired at age 60 i think my granddad worked on the trains flat cap um hobnail boots and uh, i remember probably only another five years left to live at that point but looked as though he was in his 80s when i look at 80 year olds now they look fitter and more agile and with it sparkier than i ever remember my granddad yeah you know the world is redefining retirement for a start 
Um, and individually, we, we have to redefine retirement. Now, I'm getting back, I suppose, to the, the tools and things that we use, because we, you know, we're trying to encourage people to break away. And, and um, did you ever do any work with um, Dr. Maria Nemeth? I spent a lot of time on her courses. Yes, I did. He has a great visualization about what it's like for clients when they begin to work with financial advisors. She has this this idea of the rocket ship on the launch pad and the amount the, the, the amount of energy that's required to lift it off. And then when you lift off, we think the job's done. That's almost like you've got somebody in your in your meeting room, you're having that conversation with the client and they leave that first meeting enthusiastic and fired up and raring to go. And we think, you know, and I certainly used to think job done. Now, if they go, they're going to do exactly what we've told them to do. The work is going to, and it stops. The moment they get out of the door, the monkey mind chips in um, and all the doubts about, well, it sounded like a good idea when I sat in that chair, but I, all for all these reasons, it's not going to work for me. And so she said to reach, to, to escape the, 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 the gravitational pull of the earth, at least the same amount of energy that it took to lift off, uh, you know, has got to be expended. So we've got to keep delivering that energy and the kind of that, and some of that energy just comes from enthusiasm that, that we have, that we have to give them, but also making it really easy to understand. So for what is a complex subject and conversation, what tools do you use to simplify? So I, I mean, and it, the energy is always the emotion. So what is going to be achieved? That's what, you know, we, 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 why do we put all the energy into getting married, having children, um, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit of starting a business, taking on something new, you know, engaging in a new relationship. We, we, it all comes from our emotional impact of actually how we're so when we've when we've answered those questions like George Kinder asked, we've we've got to be really careful with that vision of. First of all, we'll paint that, you know, okay, so now, from what I understand, let's just imagine, Dennis, you've been asking those questions, and I just imagine I'm giving back to you, and I'm saying, so Dennis, what you're, what you're saying, we're just within a short space of time. You want to be fitter, stronger, absolutely, 100% guaranteed to, to complete the Marathon and Sabre. Yeah? It, it, you know, you're so confident in your ability to do so. Because of the training and the and the and the uh, the diet you've been following and the and the the weight training and the coaching and the experience and the knowledge that you've got that you can even picture yourself now crossing that line with a smile on your face, shaking the hands of all the other competitors, clapping yourselves on the back, reaching for that cold drink and going, "Wow, wow, I did it! I did it again." How will that be? Now, if you got into that little emotive state there, because I only can repeat that because I know how important this is to you. And we've had conversations about this, so this is not twee. I also know between here and there, I think you're planning on doing it at your 60th, is that right? Oh, no, no, I'll be doing it on my 65th. Sorry, 65th, sorry, Dennis. Doing, yeah, I'm planning to do it on my 60th, yeah. COVID came along. That's right. That's right. Sorry. Um, 65th. But between, between now and then, that moment that you, you cross the line, you'll have some challenges. Of course you will. But first of all, are we, have I got this right? And I'd go, you know, have I got this right? Is this, is this is what's important to you? And if I have got it right, you'd say yes. And if I haven't, then we'd reinvestigate and find out what, what truly was there. But let's just imagine for a second for this little role play that that is really, truly what you want. What could possibly get in the way? And then you tell me, and it may be injuries, it may be diet, it may be family pressures, it may be business, it, who knows? I don't want to put those in the way, but you'll tell me. And they'll say, okay, so knowing all of that, let's just break them down in one by one by one. What is it that we can do about that one? How do we get, how do we make sure that you're going to go through this training injury free? 
How do we, or, 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 or as guarantee it as much as possible? We, nothing is risk-free, for God's sake, in life, you know. <laughs> Absolutely not. But how do, we, how do we look at each individual p- p- part and go, I'm here with you. Let, let, who do we need to speak to? Who, who's the right coach? Who's the best dietitian? Who's the, what, what is the training plan? What will happen if you miss a day? How can you catch up? How can you, you know, how will you? And then, and then can I be your encourager? Can I be your enforcer? <laughs> right? What, do you, what role would you like me as your coach, as your advisor to play here? And who else do we need to bring on side to make this happen? Because guess what? You know, you're not doing this on your own any longer. I'm with you. Maybe that would work. And you use the word coach there. We probably mentioned coaching techniques right at our introduction, but I've been I've been shying away from using that word because it has connotations, and I don't think clients necessarily see us as therapists, coach, all of those um, fluffy kind of words. They kind of broadly see us as technicians, don't they? Initially, yeah. Um, but do you find that uh, that more of your work is around coaching and using coaching techniques versus the technical tools that we that we that we learn and get qualified on yeah i think um i think you know people it, it people just expect and it's fair comment you don't go into your doctor's surgery and say can i see your tickets please that you just expect their 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 hygiene factors aren't they you just expect them to be you know and I spent a lot of time making sure I was chartered and I was certified and we were, you know, got a British standard in financial planning and we were this, I made sure that all that credibility was there. It was important to me. It probably wasn't important to the clients, but it was important to me. And I made sure that we'd got all that stuff. And then you go, okay, actually, even now I've got that. I've got to keep adhering to the professional standards. I've got to keep ticking the right boxes, doing all my continual professional development. I've got to make sure, but actually, what's the bit that is missing and it's the bit that's missing is this human work which is which is how do we help people get to where they really want to get to and the money skills are going to be important but actually there's so much more you know i would you know to say actually the the fulfillment and success is is inevitably not so much about the money um because you can acquire it and you can get there without it well we can show you and give you the money skills but actually, let's have, let's let's assist you in your life, um, because actually, there's there's not many other people batting for you, you know, because <laughs> they're all batting for their own individual teams. They're all wrestling with their own issues. So actually, having a trusted advocate friend in the corner who's their financial advisor to go, yeah, 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 I'm here. I can help you. And you talk about trusted. Then that's not a word that's come up very much today already, but. I do remember from the work that I did with Maria Nemeth and with George about creating a safe space for our clients. Because we do ask some, not just the financial questions, and very often people can be embarrassed about some of the decisions they've made in the past. But also the, you know, they sometimes put us on a pedestal of, of technical knowledge sometimes. Um, and I really wish they wouldn't because that is a barrier. Um, but how do you go around? How do you go around creating a safe space for, for people to talk to you? So they they will open up with their sometimes biggest fears around money. It, it, it's all about the listening, I suppose. It's all about um, sitting there and observing everything. So not observing just the words, but observing how are they when they're telling you what they're telling you asking them you know you know and when you ask someone you know how are you you know no no really how are you and when they when they let you know that you know i had a client today who told me that their sister-in-law had a few weeks ago committed suicide in retirement Okay. And, you know, over Zoom conversation, you know, and I'm like, wow. And then, you know, let me, uh, uh, tell me more. How is this for you? You know, 
and and they will tell you and 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 for someone to be able to for someone to be able to share that with you they've got to have confidence and they've got to have trust that that um you will be compassionate with with the conversation that you'll be thoughtful you'll be empathetic you'll care I mean, if we think about this whole conversation, Dennis, that, you know, all this time we've spent with all these courses, the one factor that is coming through, the only reason for doing it over and over and above the, um, you know, the, the only reason, the only things we have to do in this, in this job is be technically competent. Yeah. And actually, if you just go to for, for, forgive the people listening to this who are at just diploma level, and I hope that you're moving ahead forward, but, you know, just to be diploma level, it's not significant. It's not a significant bar to entry. And that's great because that allows people to get into the business and, and to start advising and helping people. But to move ahead to those chartered, to the certified, to the further qualifications, and then to also then spend years and years and years as we have in trying to understand humans. Why are we trying to do that? We're just trying to help people. It's just trying to help people have a more successful life. And if if we can achieve that, if there is one or two people that you kind of go, do you know what? Even the daftness of I've helped someone get on an airplane, <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's a better life, <laughs> and and that's what we want. That's a better life for a human being in front of us. Can we help them? Um, yeah, and therefore. Therefore, you do that, you're empathetic, you trust people, people, if you listen to them. Um, and, and often, of course, we've got to allow people, so often, in fact, we've got to allow people to come up with their own solutions. Oh, yes. You know, what is it that, what is the, what, so, so knowing all that, what is it that you need to do? What is it that you can do? You know, um, and because my solution is, oh, why should it be the right one for them? Well, there's more than one way of getting there invariably yeah yeah and their journey will be a personal journey isn't it the, the breathe the air they breathe is not the air that i breathe and you know <laughs> yeah. i'm a firm believer that most people deep down know what they need to be doing or want to be doing and just need a little help to get over the line yeah and I, I think I talk again, uh, I, do, I do talk in my book again about, you know, the, the Sherpa, you know, you wouldn't go up Everest without a Sherpa. And what is a Sherpa doing? Well, they're guiding you. They're helping you. They may be carrying your stuff. They may be telling you when it's safe or not safe. When's it next play? When should we cross a crevasse? When should we put a put a rope out? When should we sleep? When should we go for it? When should we put our oxygen up? We're just we're taking you you, you wouldn't do it, would you? So they've done that the, journey so many times. If there is people next to you who were, who are putting out a hand and going and going, you know, do you want to? Can I walk with you for a while? Take that hand. Take that opportunity. Because because why 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 not? You can always disregard the Sherpa's advice. I'm not sure it's the right thing to do, uh, but you can. You always have that, again, a choice factor. You can always turn about tail and go, you know what, this is not for me today. I'm going back down the mountain. Uh, yeah. Or they may advise that. But but the idea that you would even, even step up Everest without a Sherpa would be just nuts. So why do we try and do the rest of life on our own? I think this is a really good answer to the question that people ask me all the time you know what what do you do what, what's the financial planner you know what's the difference and I think I'll just point them to this episode um and tell them that we're Sherpas but no <laughs> it's a really really good explanation of how you work it is so I think we're getting close to oh we've probably been running for about 50 minutes at mm. the moment so uh, time is time is pressing um, I want to get back to the book just one more time because I when I I, I flick through books um, and then I started digging in and, and and thinking oh there's a lot more here than I thought I better I'll read a bit more and read a bit more and read a bit more but I was taken by the diagrams that that are that start early on I'm I'm attracted by diagrams um, and. They're quite simple. I'm, and I'm again just looking for that simplicity. Uh, I did a course with uh, Dan Rome. Do you ever remember the Dan Rome, uh, uh, the back the, of a napkin? The guy would help you draw. Yeah. 
do, do you use uh, apart from those in the book? I didn't see too many more going uh, further on. It's it was sort of um, words and explanations. But do you use a lot of drawing in your work? I do, I do, and um, uh, so I've got a big whiteboard in the office here. Huge, well, one great big one wall is just totally I can write on it. It's got a special wallpaper on basically. Um, so I can write on that all the time. It was the name of that for every parent who's got children can buy a tin of this paint. In fact, in fact, I think it's called idea paint. Idea paint. Idea paint. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, yeah. when my when my kids were younger, they used to love coming in and write on the wall. You know, loved it, loved it. You know, draw pictures and all types of stuff. You know, like welcome. To, they'd write. They'd say, work out who the next client was, and they'd write welcome. And then, what do they like? And they draw the, some flowers and things. And you know, it was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly what my daughter does as well when she comes in. Just leaves little messages for the team. Usually, <laughs> work hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the 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 drawings were the drawings are good, and I think um, I think it also just shows that it, you know obviously I can repeat these things to my clients, but it, it shows that I've thought about it, I thought about it, I just thought that it's not just a pension problem, right? <laughs> it's it, it's a it's a retirement problem. It, okay, so what is a retirement problem? Well, it's a fulfilling life problem. This is your greatest possibly. We don't know, but I just because it could be your greatest opportunity to close that gap between who you thought you were going to be and who you actually are. And now this is your this is you know you're opening up your Christmas presents, and the, you know the next thirty years you've got the resources, you've got the energy still, you've got the vitality, you've got the the, the mentality to do it. Let's let's get it done. What is the question you wished I'd asked? Or you wish Sarah had asked um, that we didn't. Where could you get the book? <laughs> <laughs> Over to you then, Sarah. Well, we, I got one from Amazon. <laughs> um, sellers, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just Amazon at the moment, and um, we're hoping. I, I, um, uh, we're hoping I might get picked up by the uh, Hey uh, Book Festival. I've had some inquiries from there, which is nice. So I'm in discussions with them. Um, <laughs> We know we know last week a couple of hundred copies were sold, which is great for a week's sales. So that's um, early days, but it's going, it's selling, um, which is really wonderful. So the and reviews we've had of, so far. A lot of good comment from, um, well, we've mentioned Rory Sutherland, but but many other influential people have, have picked up on the book. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's good. Um, uh, it, that's obviously my opinion. <laughs> uh, but I, 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 I think it's good. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Um, uh, and you know, as a reminder, it's the, the Retirement Cafe Handbook. Handbook, yes. That's uh, what we've been talking about. By Justin about King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm very fortunate, of course, there was 180 episodes with experts about retirement issues, and we distilled that into a handbook. And therefore, you don't have to go and listen to 180 episodes of my podcast. You can just go, right, actually, let's have a look at this book. And actually, of course, if you specifically get to a bit where you go, that's interesting. You can go and listen to the podcast. Just hit the website, put a search in for that guest and listen to that expert. Because mm. actually the idea that you come across the Retirement Cafe podcast now and you're faced with 180 episodes, your kind of heart will drop. Well, mine would anyway. Like, yes. Really? How do you work it out? It's already yeah. complicated. Yeah. You know, or really, who the hell do I listen to here? I just want to get to where I want to get to. Well, the handbook may get you there faster. Well, thanks. Thank you, Justin, for joining us today. It's been really, really interesting. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Justin, always. Thank you.